My mother's people were all coal miners. My father's people were all steel workers. They all worked in the mills. I don't believe in miracles. I believe in Pittsburgh. We play for city and country. The city is Pittsburgh. And this is Steelers country. All right, this is Steelers country. I'm your host, Tony. Pittsburgh Steelers have done it. They have won the AFC North. They've beaten the Baltimore Ravens for the first time in two years. 31-27. to A game that certainly seemed like early on was going to be much easier than it turned out to be. This was a... A Steelers-Ravens classic, but early on it seemed like the Steelers were going to take control of this game um, and it was going to finally be the kind of Bell, Brown, and Ben game against the Ravens that we haven't seen in so, so long. Um, remember, these these guys have all been injured uh, in one way or another the last four meetings uh, between these two teams, and finally we had all three of them healthy, and that first drive, it certainly seemed like this is this is what Steelers fans were waiting for. This is what we expected. Right down the field, a heavy dose of Le'Veon Bell, Ben hitting uh, hitting his targets, and then Boom, that, that pass to Xavier Grimble down the middle. A beautiful pass, a beautiful catch in traffic. Um, the Steelers go up 7 nothing. Home crowd, it just felt right. Uh, from that point, though, you know, the game kind of the game kind of turned, right? And it became more of a Steelers-Ravens type game. It wasn't going to be a blowout game. This was going to be a, a, a tough game against a division rival. Um, and it really turned into, you know, your classic Steelers-Ravens type game. Um, it was really characterized, especially early on, by the Steelers hurting themselves. Um, a lot of penalties early on that hurt drives or stop drives. And I wish I could say that, that was uncharacteristic of this team. But we know that this team has been um, bad with penalties all year. And it's been something that they've been trying to overcome. And they really haven't yet, um, at least not in the in the idea that you know they're not committing those penalties anymore. Um, you know, they have been able to win some games in spite of those penalties. But you'd like to see this team you know, not get so many holding calls or, or just you know weird false starts, the offensive pass interference on on Antonio Brown. I mean, these were, you know, these were game-changing plays because on that that second drive, the Steelers were moving the ball again um, and really put themselves back and had to, had to punt that drive. You know, Joe Flacco found some success in this game. Um, you know, give him credit. You know, he always plays his, his best games against the Steelers defense. And this was a Steelers defense that came in, you know, not banged up real, you know, too bad, but that defensive line certainly um, came in with some some bangs here and there. Um, Ken Hayward being out for you know the entire season, uh, we knew was going to be a problem, uh, but we had kind of weathered that storm. Stephon Tewitt has played a much bigger role this year, and rookie Javon Hargrave has played out of his mind uh, since that injury. But with Tewitt going down last week, uh, you know that really presented a, a new problem because now you know there is no veteran leadership on that defensive line. Ricardo Matthews was the next veteran, but he's only been on the team for for this season only, um, kind of a journeyman type. Uh, lineman and he had an ankle injury coming into this game wasn't 100 percent himself and you could tell that out there he wasn't out there um, for probably as many snaps as he wanted to be which meant that it was going to have to be the younger guys the, these guys who you know have been kind of practice squad or you know kind of the 53rd guy on a 53-man roster lt walton having to step in and play a big role um, and then johnny maxey who was just signed saturday off the practice squad saw significant minutes in that defensive line um and, you know, that was a big, in a game, you know, in a game as physical as Steelers-Ravens, and in a game where the Ravens, you know, are going to want to come out and establish their own running game and try to uh, try to stop that Steeler blitz that has been uh, doing so well these past couple weeks. 
you knew that the defensive line was going to be, be a big factor in this game, and we needed to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, I thought the Ravens did a good job in this game of of, of wearing down that Steelers defense. They, you know, they knew that this was going to be uh, an issue for us, and it really was. As the game wore on, the Steelers, the Steelers got more and more tired and, and worn out, and just guys who were already hurt were getting more hurt. Um, and the Steelers, the Steelers had a tough time stopping the run, and the Ravens were able to build on that and build on that and build on that as this game wore on. You know, I give Joe Flacco credit because he used the middle of the field very well in this game, um, kind of attacked what the Steelers' weakness has been, which is that tight end or running back over the middle. They've gotten better with that, with putting Lawrence Timmons more into coverage. But in this game, you know, look, when you're facing Tyrod Taylor and you're facing, um, uh, you know, these out-of-division guys, right, that, who aren't able to work that as well, they're not used to playing a Steeler defense like this. It's it's a, you know, it's a bit different than when you're playing Joe Flacco, a guy who not only knows you but has had success against you and can exploit your weaknesses. Um, you know, I give Joe Flacco credit. He didn't make the big mistake in this one. Um, he didn't. He didn't throw huge interceptions. When he tried a couple times, he threw a couple bad passes. The Steelers certainly left uh, probably an interception or two out there. Um, but you know, give Joe Flacco credit. He played. You know, he played a decent game. But you also have to give the Steelers defense credit because this was a game that you know when the offense turned off in the second in the second quarter, the end of the first quarter, into the second quarter, and then of course the third quarter. Um, this was a game that very easily could have gotten out of hand. Right. Um, we know Joe Flacco has success against our defense. Um, we know, you know, that the, their running game was going to get better as the game wore on. Um, but this, what, this, what has become a staple of the Steeler defense, that red zone defense, really was, you know, to me, was the difference in this game. The reason why the Steelers' offense was able to make that comeback late in this game is because what has become a staple of this defense, kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, really helped the Steelers stay in this thing. You know, after Ben's second interception, I'm sure every Steeler fan thought this game is absolutely over, 100% over. I, you know, I am myself included in that. You know, I thought the game was absolutely over after that second interception. But give the Steelers defense credit because that was a, you know, again, like the first the first interception was bad enough. And we gave him a touchdown right after it. And it changed the entire complexion of the game. It went from 7-6 to six Steelers to 14-7 to seven Ravens. But the second interception was even worse because at that point, the offense still couldn't get any real rhythm going. The defense was still giving up too many yards and, and too much time of possession, and we just kind of felt like, well, we're not dominating on defense. And we just gave up another interception, and it's in the red zone, and if we give up a touchdown here, you know, it would it would, it would would just get out of hand. And it was going to be 24-10, to 10, I believe the score would have been at that point. It just, it just felt like, you know, this was, this was another kind of Steelers-Ravens, everything's going wrong for the Steelers type of game. But the defense held strong there. They got a field goal. They held them to a field goal. Um, Sean Davis made a beautiful pass breakup in the back of the end zone. Um, and, you, you know, the, the Steelers defense does it again. Um, and the Steelers were able to make this miraculous comeback at the end, uh, led by Ben Roethlisberger, a guy who had a horrific, two horrific interceptions early in the game. And, you know, coming off of what I said on this podcast two weeks ago about Ben Roethlisberger being the reason why this team wouldn't win a Super Bowl if they didn't. Um, I was, I don't, you know, obviously I wasn't shocked that Ben was having a bad game, but it certainly dawned on me that, you know, I, I didn't want to be right, you know, um, Ben, but Ben was having the kind of game that I was completely worried about, you know, two weeks ago when we talked about why the hell is Ben throwing three interceptions in a game in which we have to win to win the division. We have to beat the Buffalo Bills. We have to be able to beat the Bills on the road. If we're going to beat the Ravens, if we're going to beat the, the Dolphins, if we're going to beat the Patriots, if we're going to beat anyone in the NFC, how can we how can we have a quarterback who's going to throw three interceptions on the road against Buffalo and then expect that that same team is going to go on to win the Super Bowl, right? 
You know, it's it's one thing. Yeah, okay, we can overcome it. We won that game, but Ben Roethlisberger playing that way is not going to win us a uh, a Super Bowl. Certainly, not even going to win us a division championship. Um, and watching that on Sunday, you know, just it, it was. It, it was that realization setting in of like, no, we're really not going to win anything because Ben can't stop throwing interceptions or can't stop playing poorly. Um, and this was a home game. This was a you know you can't blame it on Ben on the road in this one. Um, these were two interceptions that were just poor decisions slash throws. You know he threw off his back foot on the first one. The second one it was kind of a timing route. Um, he just didn't see the linebacker at all. Threw it anyway. Um, and, and you know just poor decisions on his part. And again, this is our Hall of Fame quarterback that's going out there doing that. Um, but what, but, and that brings me to really, you know, the, the, what I think is the story of this game. You know, there's been a lot made about what the Steelers schedule has been like these past five, six weeks, right? That this, this winning streak has included wins over the Browns, has included wins over the, the Andrew Luckless Colts, has included a road win over, over Buffalo, a road win over Cincinnati. You know, these are not the who's who of, of great teams in the NFL. None of those teams I just mentioned are going to be anywhere near the playoffs, but the way that we won, especially to me, the last two games, you know, they, it has, and I said this last week, it is building a character within this team, right? That, you know, Tomlin called it the no blink mentality after the game. But there is certainly something to me that is reminiscent of 2008. And I hate to bring up 2008 because that was such a brilliant year. They had such a, a great team that year. Um, and they were, you know, they were obviously at the top of, of of the Steelers in, you know, in this era, right? That is the best Steeler team of this era. And I'm not saying that this team has that kind of talent, but they do, to me, resemble some of the the, the swagger or the moxie or, um, you know, just just the tenacity that that team played with. That kind of belief that when they took the field, that no matter what happened. They were going to win that football game. Tomlin had a saying that year, and I remember, you know, and I bought into it 100%, which is style points don't matter, right? Throw style points out the window. You just need to win the game, right? And that and that kind of belief was in, you know, look, the offense can play poorly, and we're still going to win like a dirty game, right? And the Steelers have gotten away from that. Certainly since 2008, you know, we haven't had a lot of dirty wins, right? We've had a lot of dirty losses. We've had a lot of games where you go, oh, my God, how the hell did we lose that game? Um, and certainly we've had those this year. But this team is starting to find that kind of win dirty mentality within them. Um, and it's, you know, look, it's not great that we're going to go out there and win dirty every single week. And, and I don't think we are going to be, you know, playing this kind of football all the way into January. But the fact that they can dig deep and find a way against your division rival after your quarterback has thrown two ghastly interceptions, you are down. It is. You, you, it seems like all hope is lost now, and the fact that you can find a way to find that red zone stop, and then come back on offense and score a touchdown, and then find a way on defense immediately thereafter to get the three and out, and then go back on offense, and you immediately go back down and score and take the lead in this game. You know, that's the to me that's the heart of the champion, right? This is not this is not a year where there is a team that everyone's afraid of. So what you need is you you know you need a team that is full of veteran leadership of guys who believe in themselves, believe in each other, and believe that they can win football games. And what we saw against Buffalo two weeks ago was just just the beginning to me. It was just kind of that little the little drip. Oh, wait, hold on. This team had their quarterback play his worst game of the year, one of his worst games of the year, and they still found a way to go in and win a football game pretty easily, right? Ben Roethlisberger threw three interceptions in that game, 
and it was kind of a game near the end, but not really. But they found they found ways to win. The defense stepped up, bailed them out. Le'Veon Bell stepped up, bailed out Ben. They went on to win the, that football game against the Bengals. I mean, everything that could go wrong early in that game absolutely went wrong. And yet again, that was a game where they just kind of all stuck together. They dug deep. They found a way to win that game. And again, the very next week in Baltimore, it's a it's a very similar story. You're playing against the team that has owned you. This team has beaten you four straight times. Everyone's talking about, do the Ravens have the Steelers' number, right? This is not a talent thing. This is just the Ravens have the Steelers' number. Harbaugh has Tomlin's number. And they're playing poorly. Flacco's moving down the field. Roethlisberger's throwing interceptions. The offense isn't able to move the football. And now you're down, and it looks like all hope is lost. And again, they dig deep. They find a way to come back and win this football game. It, you know, this is this is what 2008 felt like. This is what it felt like when we were playing against those. I remember that game against um, the the San Diego Chargers, right? We won, what, 11 to 10 in that football game. It wasn't a pretty football game. It was by no means, um, you know, a, a classic Steeler game. But it was something that that team kind of built on, right? That, that, that idea that we can win a game 11 to 10. Just a dirty, disgusting, nasty game that we win 11 to 10. Or against... The Dallas Cowboys that year, when they were down that entire game against Tony Romo, uh, and they found a way at the end to come back. Heath Miller touchdown, Deshae Townsend pick six, offense, defense contributing in their own ways, winning a football game. And they used that as they went on and went on and went on, right, into that into that playoff run. And you remember that playoff run now as that AFC Championship game where Joe Flacco has the ball at 16 to 14. You know, the, the, again, the game is turning, right? It, it seems like, uh-oh. We, we may end up losing this football game, and boom, Palomalu gets a big interception. Or in the Super Bowl, I mean, it's the same thing again, right? Kurt Warner is on the goal line at the end of the first half. They look like they're going to take the lead. The offense can't move the ball again. Boom, James Harrison gets that pick six. And then, of course, at the end of the game, when the defense gives it up, and Roethlisberger gets the ball, and boom, they go right back down, right? These are things that if you look back at Sunday's game, it's very it's a very similar story, right? The game, whole hope is lost at multiple points in that game, right? Multiple points, there's, it is all hope, oh no, we, we've lost this game. Whether it was the first interception, whether it was the second interception, whether it was when Flacco went down and scored that touchdown at the end of the game, right? There were multiple points in this game where a team that didn't believe that they could win, a team that did believe that the Ravens had their number, a team that, that didn't have it would have lost, would have just given up and lost. This team doesn't have, this team doesn't have that in them. They, they have it. This team has the winning mentality. This team can do something when it comes to January uh, football. Now we got to talk about that last drive. You know, we got to talk about we got to talk about the last two drives. Actually, we got to talk about first of all um, the the defensive performance at the end. Right, the defense is going to the defense is going to get a lot of flack for what happened at the end of this football game, and rightly so, absolutely rightly so. The the Steelers had all the momentum in this game. Oh, we actually, and one thing I do want to talk about as far as uh, before I get to those last two drives is the other. I forgot to talk about the other. Um, thing that was going against the Steelers in this game. Chris Boswell kicked two two kicks out of bounds. Two kicks out of bounds. The opening kickoff, out of bounds. And then the one after the first touchdown, out of bounds. The Ravens did, the Ravens, we spotted the Ravens at the 40-yard line. Okay, think about how much success the Ravens had moving the football in this game and how disgusted you are right now with the defense. They didn't score on either of those drives. They didn't score on the opening drive. And they didn't score after that first touchdown. Or excuse me, after the, the first touchdown of the comeback. Defense held strong there. The defense held strong. Now, so but we do need to talk about the last drive that Flacco had. 
because that was a successful drive. It ended in a touchdown. It ended with the, the Ravens taking the lead once again. It was a long drive. It started with close to six minutes on the clock. Look, this is an inexcusable drive, right? You can't have this. I don't care what the injuries were. I, you know, I, Look, there's a lot of things that – there's a lot of reasons why that drive happened. Um, they were able to use, again, the middle of the field. They were able to mix run and pass. They didn't have – time was not a factor for them. In fact, I think they were more trying to run clock um, than prevent the clock from running. They were able to use you know, the entire width of the field, and they were able to use their full arsenal of run and pass. The Steelers had a hard time getting to Flacco in this game with exotic blitzes, with with any kind of regular rush. Obviously, you know, obviously that has a lot to do with, with the way the defensive line was playing, right? I, I think. Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that Johnny Maxey played a bad game or that LT Walton played a bad game, right? But these are but these players are not Cam Hayward. They are not Stephon Tuitt, right? Um, the Steelers had a certainly had a subpar defensive line in this game, and they felt like. And I think rightly so. They felt like they had to bring more exotic blitzes to get to Joe Flacco. You saw a lot of blitzes by by Sean Davis, William Gay, uh, a lot of secondary players. Not something that has been, you know, completely foreign to this defense in the past couple weeks. I mean, they've gotten pressure from those from secondary positions in the past couple weeks, but not with the regularity that they were coming in this game. There was one play to me that sticks out uh, more than any other. Uh, I don't remember when it was in the game. I, I you know, but it was a play in which it, both Dupree and Gay were showing blitz. Um, and you couldn't really tell which one was going to blitz. Gay seemed like he was going to drop off. The play starts. Dupree drops into coverage. Gay blitzes. And the right tackle immediately knows who was – like it wasn't even – it was not even a question in his mind. He immediately went to William Gay to block William Gay as Dupree dropped out into coverage. Um and it was just that kind of – to me, it was kind of – it signified how desperate the Steelers were to get a pass rush and how much that played into the kind of game plan that the Ravens thought the Steelers might bring into it, right? They certainly knew that the the game plan for the Steelers was going to be to get to Joe Flacco, and they knew that the game plan for them needed to be to protect Joe Flacco. They did a great job of doing that. Um, you know, There were hardly any rushers that came free. The rushers that did come free, for the most part um, – Got sacks, you know. Lawrence Timmons his big sack uh, that led to the uh, the missed field goal or the the blocked whatever field goal. Um, there was a couple other times where Flacco was able to elude pressure, um, and those you know obviously are are frustrating plays, but uh, that'll happen. But you know the Steelers look. This is a game in which they were not able to get consistent pressure on Flacco, and Flacco was able to work the middle of the field as he loves to do. Little short checkdown plays. He's got something like the the worst or second to worst. Uh, yards per attempt in the league. And you could tell in this game, everything was a little dink, a dunk, a little dink here, a little dink, dunk there. They killed us with Pitta. They killed us with um, all their, you know, their short passes. Then they killed us, you know, at the end in the running game. And Kenneth Dixon, give him a lot of credit. That guy's got strong legs. Um, It was hard to bring down. The Steelers weren't, didn't do a great job of tackling in this game. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, um, you know, the Ravens are a very physical football team, very similar to what the Steelers try to do to you. And being a physical football team, the Ravens do the same thing. Um, and so, you know, give them credit. But that last drive is inexcusable, right? This defense has to find ways to finish games. We've seen it in the offense, right? The offense has been able to, when they get the ball, you know, up late in the game, they finish the game. And we saw that actually again in this game. You know, they they weren't up at the end of this game, but they certainly finished it. But the defense needs to find that killer mentality in them. Even with, 
you know, even when they're facing a little bit of adversity like they did in this game. You know, they didn't have a great defensive line to lean on. And I understand that that, and, and it's, I understand especially against a division rival that that's going to be a very tall task. But they have to find a way. They have to find a way to make things happen. And, you know, I think at the end of that drive, I was more happy that the Ravens scored when they did, um, you know, than having them at the one-yard line. Not to say that the Steelers' red zone defense wouldn't have come up big at the goal line. But, you know, I'd much rather have the ball in in Ben Roethlisberger's hands with a minute to go um, than I would Joe Flacco's hands with, 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 you know, one second to go and uh, all they need is a touchdown to win. So the defense gave that up. Disappointing to see, but certainly, you know, having been with the ball a couple timeouts, minute, little over a minute to go, um, is not a terrible position. Now, this is when in the game, you know, you really started to think about no Sammy Coates, no Ladarius Green, right? I mean, Darius Hayward Bay was active, but not really a contributor on offense. You know, we were we were seeing guys like Demarcus Ayers got significant playing time in this game, um, but Ben Roethlisberger found a way again and. More than Ben Roethlisberger, what was what was the the key to this drive and was the key to everything the Steelers did offensively was the offensive line. Ben Roethlisberger was not just not sacked in this game; he was barely touched in this football game. And when you think about the way the Baltimore Ravens play defense and the way that they play specifically against Ben Roethlisberger and the way that they've had success against us the last four times we've played, they have had so much success getting to Ben Roethlisberger getting pressure on him, making him uncomfortable, and specifically not letting him extend those plays. They didn't do any of that in this game. Ben Roethlisberger was able to step up in the pocket. He was able to move around. He was able to find guys outside the pocket. He hit Eli Rogers deep late in the game with with that kind of play. He found Le'Veon Bell for the touchdown on a play where he was able to get outside the pocket. He found Jesse James on a play in which it seemed like the defender was millimeters away from getting the ball out of the back of his hand but he was able to complete that pass. Um, cannot say enough about the play of the offensive line in this game. If there's an MVP in this game, people are going to point to Antonio Brown for the stretch. They're going to point to Ben Roethlisberger for the kind of um, the, the play that he had at the end there in ad- through adversity. Um, they're going to point to Le'Veon Bell and the success he had on the ground. But none of what I just said is possible without the play of the offensive line and the way that they were able to, to dominate uh, the the line of scrimmage in this football game. Le'Veon Bell had a lot of success running in this football game, um, and it was a lot of it due to the offensive line. Ben Roethlisberger at the end of this game had a ton of time to throw and led him to make good decisions as we got down the stretch. Uh, so got to take my hat off to David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, Marcus Gilbert, Alejandro Villanueva, um, Ramon Foster, all those guys up front who played a terrific, terrific game. Now let's get to that drive. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of heroes of this game, right? Antonio Brown, obviously, that last play was spectacular. It was an unbelievable play, something that the Steeler fans will remember forever, um, the immaculate extension. Um, Eli Rogers had a, another terrific game, uh, making huge catches and, and really becoming the receiver. You know, I was surprised in this game. I said one week ago on this very podcast that I thought the reason that Eli Rogers wasn't getting uh, the catches that he you know, he probably should be getting, or the reason why I think a lot of Steeler fans thought he was disappointing was because, um, you know, he needed, you know, he was kind of the, the third, the third wheel, if you will, right. In the off in, in, in the passing offense, right. It needed to go Brown, then someone else, then Eli. And in this game, they didn't have an, a someone else. 
in the passing game. They just didn't. It was Antonio Brown. There was no one. There was no Sammy Coase. There was no Ladarius Green. There was no Darius Taylor Bay. There was no one that they were going to throw the ball to. Le'Veon Bell was on pass protection for most of the game. I think he only caught two passes in this game. There was no one else. It was going to be Eli Rogers stepping into that number two role. Now, I didn't think Eli Rogers had that in him. Yeah, I knew he was going to be good at finding space, but he's a rookie, right? He's still learning. But this was a humongous game for him. Those catches that he made down the stretch were as big as any catch in this game, including Antonio Brown's. If you look at the the, the situation that Steelers were in, um, that catch by Eli Rogers was as big as any other catch in this game. Um, it led the Steelers to, I believe, within the 20-yard line. Um, two plays later, they were... Uh, throwing it to Jesse James within the uh, you know within the goal line, um, or into a first and goal situation um, that led on to win the game. Uh, Eli Rogers had you know something like I want to say four catches, yeah, four catches, eighty four yards. Um, you know he had a lot of catch and runs in this game. He he did a lot of the things that I think we all expect him to be able to do. But to me, it was, it was I expected him to do those things when he was surrounded by other talent, right? He's the unaccounted for, I call him the unaccounted for one. That's no longer the case. Eli Rogers proved himself in this game that he can be a weapon, you know, just by himself, not because of the way defenses have to play other players. Um, and that was that was fantastic to see. The other guy who in this game was as big as anyone else in the game was Jesse James. And another guy who had four catches. Um, I think he had two or three down the stretch in that last drive. Um, but both of them were gigantic. Um, he had the one where, uh, you know, Ben hit him over the middle, looked like Ben was going to get strip sacked. Um, and then he had the one over the middle where, you know, Ben took forever to throw that ball. Jesse James, if you watch the replays in that one, Jesse James is open forever, um, for a, for an easy first down on a third and four. And he makes that catch, um, you know, goes down. And the Steelers were able to, to stop the clock. And then, of course, you know, the very next play, A-B, touchdown. But Jesse James was humongous in this game. The, you know, And then again, Xavier Grimble's catch in the back of the end zone. Or excuse me, in the front of the end zone. Huge, huge catch by guys, you know, who are not Ladarius Green. When we talked about, you know, who's, who's going to be the guys who are going to step up in, you know, we, we need someone who's, who's going to have that kind of five catch, 70 yards, right, that Ladarius has kind of become known for. Well, if you look at the, the combination of the stats of Jesse James and Xavier Grimble, it's five catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. And that's not to get, take anything away from Ladarius Green, and not to say that Ladarius Green does not add another dimension to this offense. He absolutely does. But Jesse James and Xavier Grimble filled in very admirably in this game, and I, can't, I think, you know, kind of fulfilled, you know, what the promise that I think a lot of us thought that those two guys could have. You know, Xavier Grimble had some nice plays throughout the year, especially in that Cincinnati game, right? He had another touchdown that was reminiscent of this one. Jesse, especially early in the year, seemed like he could be a very Heath Miller type, sure catcher, middle of the field guy. But And that is exactly what he was in this game. And that's exactly what the Steelers needed in this game. And they needed these other options. Um, and then and then you have Antonio Brown. And then you have that last catch. I, I, you know, There's nothing I can say about that catch that hasn't already been said. Um, it is... It is one of the most spectacular plays I have ever seen. Um, it is certainly the play of the year. It saved the division. It saved this team. Um, you know, it saved... When you think about what would have been said about this football team today, what I would be saying about this football team, what what 
you know, Skip Bayless, what, what all the Pittsburgh local media, what everyone would be saying about this team had they not pulled that off, had this game ended 27-24, to 24, had, had he gone down and the clock expired, and the Baltimore Ravens go on to win the AFC North. And the Steelers have now lost five straight. That's what was that's what was at stake when he caught that ball at the, at the two-yard line and fought through three defenders, including Eric Weddle, including C.J. Mosley, to move the ball from one hand to the other and then to to take it in one hand and extend it over as he's as he has is having his face mask ripped by Eric Weddle, as he's being pushed back by C.J. Mosley. These are two of the best players in the NFL. C.J. Mosley, one of the best inside linebackers in football, and Eric Weddle, you know, certainly has come down in play from where he was two, three years ago, but still one of the best safeties in football. And Antonio Brown fighting through those tackles to move the ball from one hand to the other, to stretch it over the goal line, and to win the Steelers the AFC North. It is as spectacular as any play you will ever see in football. And the Steelers do it. They go on, they win the AFC North. Um, not the game I think a lot of people were expecting. 31-27 to is a high-scoring game. Um but it was, but it was what what was necessary to win. Um, the Steelers didn't put themselves in an advantageous position in this game. Um, you know, early on it seemed like this was going to be the Ben Bell Brown game, and then it ended up being, um, you know, kind of the Ben redemption game, right? Ben, you know, kind of screwed it up for the Steelers, but then uh, was able to redeem himself later on. And it's that mentality to me that is going to take this team from being you know, just another playoff team to being a serious contender, especially in the AFC. And if you look at what the AFC, you know, what's happening in the AFC now with Mariota's injury and Tennessee is now out of it, um, Derek Carr's injury, and Oakland, you know, just kind of fledgling there with Matt McGloin as their starting quarterback and, you know, what kind of team are they going to be when it comes time for, for January football. Um, the Miami Dolphins, you know, they still look good with, with Matt Moore, but you'd like to see them play better talent than Buffalo or, or the Jets, especially a Buffalo team that um, just fired, you know, has now just fired Rex Ryan. That was Rex Ryan's kind of final stand. Um, we'll see. You know, this is a team that, this is a Steeler team that can do it. This I really believe that. I, I really believe now that this is not just like, let's get into January and let's see what happens. This is a team that let's get into January and let's win some football games. Let's let's prove to the world that this team is who we think they are. Um, you know, they're not they're not dominating on offense. You know, they, they shoot themselves in the foot. Ben has bad games. Um, they don't always uh, they're not always, you know, moving the ball or, or putting up consistent points. Uh, but they're but they're reliable when it comes time to win football games. And the same thing can be said defensively. It's not a pretty defense. You know, there are times when it looks pretty. There are times when they're getting consistent three and outs and they're getting a lot of pressure. And they're converting, and they're and they're causing turnovers. But this is a team that you know, really, uh, when it comes down to it, is is holding teams to field goals and letting the offense win games for them. Um, and that is what has been successful for them for the past sixteen weeks. I think is what what will be successful for them, you know, in the next four, five, six games that they play. The Steelers now are going to go into this playoff run. They are going to most likely face the Miami Dolphins uh, in that first playoff game. That's a that is a rematch of a week uh, seven game or uh, week six game, whatever that was. Um, the Steelers went into that game four and one. The Dolphins went into that game one and four. That was played in Miami. Ben Roethlisberger had one of his worst games uh, of his career, maybe his worst game of his career. He was, uh, I think, he threw under a hundred yards going into um, the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, it was it was a game in which he was hurt. Uh, came 
came out of the game and then came back after halftime, but just wasn't the same. Um, and the Miami Dolphins were able to capitalize on the Steelers' uh, inability to move the football um, with their own ability to move the football, and then were able to convert touchdowns late in that game uh, to really seal the deal. 30-15 to 15 was the final score of that game. That was, again, in Miami. I think if, you know, again, if... I'll say the same thing I said last week about the Baltimore game. If you think that if you think that that game is going to play out the same way, if you think that that the Steelers are going to be dominated on on offense by a, by that Miami defense in Pittsburgh with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, with a healthy Le'Veon Bell, with a healthy Antonio Brown, you're absolutely crazy. This team is is a completely different team than it was back then, and Miami might be a different team as well. You know, they were just kind of getting the Steelers really got them started on their kind of nine ten game streak that they've gone on since then. But the, so have the Steelers. The Steelers have completely changed the complexion of their offense. Completely, and that was just the beginning of the Steelers changing on the defense. Remember, that was the first game that Artie Burns started at outside corner. Sean Davis was not yet installed at safety. Javon Hargrave was not a, a big factor on that defensive line just yet. Bud Dupree was not healthy. Um, again, this is a team, and, and again, they were still working on that outside linebacker rotation, which is completely gone now. So it's a, a completely different team for both teams, but I think for the Steelers especially, um, you know, they were kind of, this is again, you know, look, I, I don't want to make injuries a, you know, a huge thing here, but if you think that that game was not largely due to Ben's injury, just watch what happens in two weeks. Uh, I'm not saying the Steelers are definitely going to beat the Dolphins, and we'll talk more about that game as that it gets um, officially slated after this Sunday, but, you know, I have a, I have a pretty good feeling. Um, the Steelers face the Browns this week. It's a meaningless game. Um, we're going to see a lot of backups in this game. Landry Jones will probably start this game. Uh, I don't think we'll see any Le'Veon Bell. I don't think we'll any, see any Antonio Brown. As Mike Tomlin said during his press conference, it'll be nice to to play with Le'Veon Bell in a playoff game. He has never played in a playoff game before. The last two seasons, he was either hurt. Uh, actually, he was hurt in both games, uh, or all three games, I should say. Antonio Brown, um, he will, again, It'll be nice to have him healthy in a playoff game. We we went into Denver last year, didn't have him healthy. Uh, and then Ben Roethlisberger, you know, again, going into that, again, going into that Denver game, there was a lot of concern about whether or not Ben was healthy um, after getting hurt at the end of that Cincinnati game. All three of those players will be sat out most likely in this game, and I think that's the smart thing to do. We need these guys healthy for the playoff run. Uh I think every Steeler fan is sick and tired of having to go into the playoffs wondering, you know, will this mishmash of talent uh, be able to to pull it off? This year will finally be at, you know, as about full strength as you could hope to be right now. We have some starters on IR, obviously, um, but it shouldn't be, um, it won't be the the who's who of, of Steeler superstars on IR at the end of the season. Pouncey probably won't play. Uh, obviously, two, it's not going to play. Ladarius Green won't play. You know, those those guys... Sammy Coates won't play, most likely. You know, actually, Sammy Coates is one that's interesting to me because that's that's one where, again, here's a guy who's needed to get worked back into the offense for three, four, five weeks now, right? They, I think the Steelers are starting to feel like maybe his fingers are, are getting healthy enough that he can be a contributor. You saw him make a couple of catches against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. They tried to work him in against Indianapolis a few weeks before that. Then he hurt his hamstring in the middle of practice last week, Was had to sit this one out. Now, do you? The, the question would be: Do you hold him out again in Cleveland and let that hamstring get healthy before a playoff run, or do you hope that the hamstring is healthy enough that he can play against against Cleveland, so that we can maybe start to get him work back into the offense? I mean, it won't be 
Ben Roethlisberger throwing him the football, but just to see him get some live game action, catch some balls, take some hits, um, something he hasn't done as a wide receiver, you know, really since the New York Jets game. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. Obviously, you know, Ladarius is going to sit out with his concussion, and we just have to hope that that concussion, um, you know, is not is not as bad as as many think it is. You know, he's still in the concussion protocol now, which is you know disappointing to hear. But you know, is, you know obviously that doesn't mean that he won't play two weeks from now against Miami. Um, to it, still rehabbing that knee, but he'll definitely sit out this game. There's no reason for him to come back. Um, and I think you know, again, guys like James Harrison should probably sit out. Um, you, anyone that's had a history of, of real injuries, um, Ryan Shazier is another candidate there, although, you know, depth becomes an issue at, at inside linebacker. Who do you, if you're not going to play Shazier, then you have to start Vince Williams and, and you know, who plays if, if one of those guys gets hurt, you know, LJ Fort, um, Tyler Matikiewicz. I mean, you know, death starts to become an issue, but I'll let Tomlin solve, sort all that stuff out. I, I, we, what we know for a fact is that Ben Bell and Brown are most likely not going to play this game and we will finally get to see a real playoff game with all three of those guys uh, in the lineup, and that'll be fun to see. But we'll talk more about that next week after this Cleveland game. I'll have Mike and Joe on the podcast. We'll break down the Steelers' uh, playoff run, um, who they face, and uh, who we expect them to face um, as they make this run. I'll see you next week.